Our scripture this morning is from the book of Ruth, chapter 1, verses 1 through 22. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem and Judah went to live in the country of Moab, he and his wife and two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malan and Kilion. They were Ephratites from Bethlehem in Judea. They went into the country of Moab and remained there. But Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left with her two sons. They took Moabite wives. The name of one was Orpah, and the name of the other, Ruth. When they had lived there about ten years, both Malon and Kilion also died, so that the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. Then she started to return with her daughters-in-law from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had considered his people and had given them food. So she set out from the place where she had been living, she and her two daughters-in-law, and they went on their way to go back to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you, as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find security, each of you, in the house of your husband. Then she kissed them, and they wept aloud. They said to her, No, we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Do I still have sons in my womb that they may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. Even if I thought there was hope for me, even if I should have a husband tonight and bear sons, would you wait until they were grown? Would you then refrain from marrying? No, my daughters. It has been far more bitter for me than for you, because the hand of the Lord has turned against me. Then they wept aloud again. Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. So she said, See, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Do not press me to leave you or turn back from following you. Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. There will I be buried. May the Lord do thus and so to me, and more as well, if even death parts me from you. When Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more to her. So the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them, and the women said, Is this Naomi? She said to them, Call me no longer Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt bitterly with me. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has dealt harshly with me, and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? So Naomi returned together with Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, who came back with her from the country of Moab. They came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. Word of God, word of life. Amen. 
Let's pray. God, for some reason, each of us got up this morning and gathered here. And so somehow we trust that you will speak. And we pray for that, for you to speak to each of us individually as a community, for your spirit to come now. Amen. Today is All Saints Day, a day in the church year when we remember the people who have died, specifically those who have died over this last year. That's how we begin the month of November, by remembering, by pausing, and filling our hearts with the memories and life and light of people who are no longer with us. We acknowledge the empty space next to you or the person or the people who you have loved, who have contributed to your life and to the life of this church used to sit. And today we also name the sorrow that comes with death because grief doesn't fit into a nicely planned schedule of a visitation and a funeral with a luncheon to follow. Grief seeps into the next day and beyond. Grief has its way on our moods and relationships, making everything feel off. So today's question hits smack in the gut. Where do we go from here? And the story that finds us that Al just read begins with three grieving widows. Naomi's grief is compounding. Her husband has died and then both her sons, a trifecta of death. She is widowed and childless, no family to take her in, no economic means, love has gone dim. She is bitter and rightfully so. I'm sure a voice in her mind keeps playing on repeat. How could this happen? What did I do to deserve this? The odds are against her and the only place to go is to move. And by chance she has heard that there's food in Bethlehem, the city where her and her late husband were from. That's all she has. Some whisper that the way ahead is to leave with a crumb of hope to another place. And so she sets out, hugs her widowed daughters-in-law and tells them, go back. Stay put right where you are here and connect back to your family of origin, for you are young enough for hope to still be possible. There is still time for you to rebuild your life. Orpha obliges, but Ruth will not. She commits to staying with her grieving mother-in-law. Ruth's sacrifice is admirable, enough so that this book in the Bible is named for her. Yet even Ruth's staying does not erase Naomi's grief and bitterness. It is from the dark place of suffering and loss, in the shadows of death, that this story begins. 
We don't get to hear much about God in this story today, nor angel, nor no dream. Just a little phrase, a word that Naomi must have heard from someone around her, although we don't know who. The Lord has considered his people and given them food in Bethlehem. That's all that was given, and somehow Naomi listened and hung in desperation to go there, and he did the next step with grief and resentment weighing down each step. So where do we go from here? I wish I could tell you that God's single signals a clear next step, a way forward like a message in a bottle or a sign written on the clouds when we look up. My friend walked the Camino de Santiago in Spain this summer and told me that along the path are little painted yellow arrows pointing the way on the 500-mile pilgrimage. So when you don't know if you turn right or left, you just look for the yellow arrow and follow it. Yet there's no yellow arrows for Naomi. No wonder people doubt and try to control their own life, why they don't find meaning in organized religion, because the divine does not work in billboards or headlines. It was someone else's message a witness to a small sign of hope that was spoken. It could have easily been ignored or disregarded, but for Naomi, it was the only line to write on her T-chart of options. And so, forlorn and depleted, Naomi headed out to the land where barley was told to grow. Where do we go from here, Mount Olivet? I wish I could tell you that the future will come outlined as a well-fashioned strategic plan, perfectly folded on glossy paper. I'm always cautious of churches who present this way because every time we open a Bible, we hear in the story such as this that the future is created by neighbors talking with neighbors a message received into the heart of sorrow or disappointment when it's the only card left to play. And so it takes step by slow step and a trust beyond measure that a story is being created, a story that we can never know the ending of in the beginning. And so we have to trust that a future is being written when we have no idea if someone is actually holding a pen. Naomi's hunch takes her and Ruth to Bethlehem. If you read the following few chapters, Ruth, young as she is in a Moabite, a foreigner without means, is invited to glean wheat from a field. She meets a man who cares enough to make sure that her and Naomi have enough to eat. Ruth marries this man, and they conceive a son, Obed, who is born, who becomes the grandfather of David, the family tree in which Jesus Christ is born. It's All Saints Day, a day to also hear that sainthood is not only for those in heaven, 
but a call given to us as well. You see, we are both sinners and saints, and each time we gather, we hear that God's steadfast love is for the faint of heart, the grieving souls, the doubters, the impatient, those who are ready to go back and those who commit to stay the course. Faith is offered in whispers when we point to the rumor of a harvest out there somewhere. And we join each other on the path to the future, one step at a time. And somehow we offer God's love to each other. We don't always get it right, and yet God's steadfast love still has endured. People will leave and people will come and the God who created heaven and earth and every creature of the land and sea is still among us. God's future comes through your grieving heart, a small step forward in the witness to hope wherever it is. It comes when we're alone and together and as we venture to meet people and slowly and awkwardly become community. It comes in death and in birth. We are held in a love that breaks into this world that forms saints from sinners. If your story feels far from complete, if there is no more ink to write, one more word, hear this, take heart in Naomi, the saint of grief and bitterness who eventually played a part in the story of Jesus. You too have a place in this story, and so does Mount Olivet Lutheran Church of Plymouth. God, God's love will not leave you, and step by step, the future is being created. Take a moment today, and maybe this week, to look around to see who is walking with you. Where do we go from here? In faith together, following the one whose love is spoken in whispers and with the promise of daily bread. Amen. <laughs>